This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk back again with you guys for another episode of our, I was about to say tactical breakdown show because it feels like that with the pre-recorded nature of this, but it is in fact the Arsenal transfer show, which is joining you every morning at 8am UK time. However, today's show is slightly different because it is a pre-recorded episode for those that have been uh, very keenly listening will know that today uh, I'm going to be on my uh, golf charity event in which I'm doing 72 holes in one day. Uh, to try and raise money for Cancer Macmillan. Uh, we've raised over one, uh, nearly £1,500 uh, in the weeks that we've been leading up to this, which is great. So thank you to everybody that has donated. Uh, I'm going to be trying to do some filming if I can um, in throughout so I can kind of put it all together in a bit of a a bit of a vlog so you can see some of the event yourselves. Um, no promises because it's going to rain apparently quite heavily. So we'll see how much videoing is even feasible uh, in those conditions. But yeah, I'm hoping to put something, at least something together. But thank you to everyone that continues to tune in and listen. Do make sure you drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you're new around here with those notifications turned on so you never miss a show. And with this being a slightly different style of transfer show, it's going to be a different format as well today. Rather than just me chatting away and then taking your questions, I'm also going to be joined by a couple of guests to talk about the latest Arsenal transfer news. Joining me, uh, as has become quite regular across this summer uh, with our tactical breakdowns is drew drew how you doing my friend you good you well hey, happy sunday how are you very good mate very good indeed yeah. are you enjoying the uh women's world cup and match catch much of that going on it's been interesting actually um yeah like a good upset there's been a lot of nice stories you know with philippines mm. coming in it's, it's been a fun watch and i think it's been a great advert because some of the ratings that the matches have been getting there's a lot of viewership mm. as well i do quite like that a lot of people paying more attention to women's football. So, yeah, it's been great. Yeah, it has. Very exciting so far. I'm still very interested to see uh, who can take it all the way in the end. Uh, European champions, <laughs> we're coming for you. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Um, and joining us as well for today's show, of course, uh, and our previous brother from 101 Great Goals uh, is Ben Browning. How are you doing, mate? You good? You well? Yeah, very well. Thank you. Um, I think I said this to you last year as well, but I'm enjoying the fact that Arsenal get their business done early and then we can talk about two or three names rather than 20 or 30 every day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that was the case last summer. 
Yeah, I think we what was it? We managed to get down Jesus and Vieira and, and Zinchenko relatively early by this point. And, you know, looking ahead to the season, we ended up just having kind of a smooth ride throughout the course of, of last season anyway. So we're hoping that it repeats itself. But it seems, though, that Arsenal aren't done um, this summer. Um, it seems that Arsenal still want to do some more business. Now, I think that a lot of people kind of expected that to be potentially a forwards. You know, we had a chat the other day, Drew, we did a Mohamed Kudus uh, tactical breakdown and it felt as though that forward slash right wing position would be something that we might attack. And we still might between now and the end of the window, of course. There's still the opportunity for Arsenal to do that. But I'll be very honest. I didn't expect uh, a link to be made to uh, another goalkeeper. I feel like I'm back in 2021 all over again with Bernd Leno ready to take on a brand new season. And then all of a sudden, all of his life gets turned upside down when Arsenal go and spend 30-odd million quid on Aaron Ramsdale. Uh, we are linked with David Rea of, of Brentford. Uh, David Ornstein breaking the story initially, but it's certainly been corroborated elsewhere. Um Certainly, I learned in the afternoon that Brentford would be looking for around £40 million for the player, which ironically, Thomas Frank has now actually come out and spoken about as well and says that's how much he would want. We'll go into some of the kind of logistics of the price and stuff, but just to get your initial reaction to the news, what did you make of it when it dropped? Who? You. I said Drew. This is what I mean. This is why I get professionals to do these Oh, shows. please. You know I had to give you some sort <laughs> of... If you're playing, if you're, if oh, you're playing damn, 72... If you're playing 72 holes of golf, I have to give you some 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 grief somewhere. It'll be this. Uh, my initial thought really was kind of like yours. I didn't see it coming. And uh, Ben and I were uh, chatting with a bunch of the guys at Yama before this as well. And a lot of us are just kind of confused similar. Just It's very rare that you have a club that has two first-choice goalkeepers. Even though you have Champions League on offer, I still think my initial reaction was I don't get it. And then when I thought about it for maybe 20 minutes, Raya is a keeper we went after before Ramsdale. So is it maybe now that he's maybe available? You know, obviously Bayern want him. There's been some criticism about Ramsdale last season, further still preseason. I don't think Arteta's a reactionary in terms of he wants to bring in a keeper because of that reaction, but more of is this going to be kind of like a cyclical thing? Are we now trying to improve on Ramsdale? Is it just for competition? I don't know, but... 40 million is pretty steep for a keeper that we technically don't really need. Um, and I guess initially, just I, I just don't think it, I, personally, I don't think it makes sense. But as I circle back to it, again, I, I find myself struggling to really question things that our tenant AD want to do because when they do spend a considerable amount of money, there usually is a reason and usually, well, not usually always, that deal does pay off as we've seen in the last kind of two summers. So. It's one of those, yet again, I kind of have to have faith in it. But on the surface, you know, even though Ramsdale does have his deficiencies, I think this might be a bit of a stretch for me. But I'm willing to wait and see what happens. But, you know, obviously Turner wanting more minutes, I think that's par part and parcel of it, I think. Um, but why would you replace a backup with another number one? And, you know, I think that's too much competition that for me just doesn't kind of add up. So. Yeah, I, I think we'll get into the Turner side of things as well. But I was certainly, yeah, surprised. I'd been doing a lot of defending of Ramsdale this summer. Um, the chat box is probably talking <laughs> about the irony right now of me saying and having these debates with people about how much I rate Ramsdale. You know, I put him in the bracket of world class keepers around the world. He's valued by CIES as as the most joint most valuable goalkeeper on the planet at sixty million euros, um, along with the likes of Donnarumma. Um, he's very highly rated. Ben, 
oh, before we again go into some of the more specific details of this, just give me your kind of initial reaction when you saw this story breaking to the. Uh, I say today because we're recording it on Sunday, but yesterday for those listening. Yeah, I mean, I had to I had to do a double take and check that it was actually David Ornstein that had broken it. Um, I got put in one of our chats, and yeah, I was sort of just like, this doesn't feel real because obviously we were linked to them in 2020, 2021, when um, we had bids. I think it was like nine million turned down, mm. and now it's forty million for a player that, as Drew said, we don't really need as a unless he's coming in to be a first choice. And there'll be lots of debate about you can't have first and second choices in teams that want to challenge for top honors, but if you look anywhere else, there's an undisputed first choice, whether that be City or Liverpool or anything. And the backup is very good. But very rarely do you see £40 million then spent on a bloke who's going to play 15 games, 20 games. And then if it comes down to it in a Champions League final, it'll be the other guy that's preferred. It felt mm-hmm. like, it feels like the right sort of profile, but at the price that it's coming in, the finances for me didn't quite add up. And I don't know whether that's, you know, we don't know how the transfer window is going to, pan out so it's quite difficult to say now how it's going to go if if someone said you've got 40 million today would you rather go and buy David Raya or Mohamed Kudus who do you think is going to be more useful next this season you know the answer most people would say Kudus and you, you could end up with both and that's absolutely fine but it just seems like a strange pivot to go to goalkeeper of this caliber when we've had Matt Turner and Matt Turner's been fine he's played what seven games last season I think or eight games last season so it doesn't feel like somewhere we need to buy a player of that calibre and already at the level that he, Raya is. You know, he's ready to come in and a lot of people would say he's better than Ramsdale or as good as Ramsdale. And Ramsdale only signed his new contract what, last month or the month before. So it felt it feels very strange to me. But as Drew says, you can't really knock anything Edu and Arteta have done because for the most part, they've been bang on. Yeah, and that's... I don't think I've necessarily seen any real criticism of this link. Um, I know that Ramsdale has faced a little bit of criticism in the last kind of, uh, I think ever since the Southampton game where he made that mistake with the pass out, um, that kind of really hit, I think, people's view of him as a goalkeeper. And he then really started receiving a fair amount of criticism. Um, I think more than, than fair amount of criticism, to be honest. And when Raya gets brought up it makes sense in my head because in 2020 Arsenal had a number of offers turned down for for Raya he was Arteta's number one choice Drew as the goalkeeper that that he wanted I don't don't think it's any surprise then whilst the the link in itself I think was a shock to everybody when you take a step back and you breathe for a second I think it does make a lot of sense especially when already despite having Thomas Partey in a in a system that is only playing one defensive midfielder right now, we brought in Declan Rice for 105 million pounds. Despite having Smith Rowe and Vieira that we signed last year that can play attacking tens on that left hand side, we still brought in Kai Havertz. And despite the fact we've got Ben White and Zinchenko, we've brought in Yuri and Timber who can play on either flank and even in the middle if we wanted to. So it kind of still with signing Raya falls into that strategy of if you have an established starter, it doesn't deter us from going out and buying someone that could also compete with them. Yeah, I don't think it necessarily deters that, but I think it's the one position where it's almost irrelevant. And and I put this in the in the Yama uh, Twitter chat before, really quickly before I, I signed in, is that if you look, mm. if you think at look at Bayern Munich, Manuel Neuer has been first choice there for twelve seasons. He's never had a competitive backup. He's had Sven Ulbich, mm-hmm. who's who's quite solid as a backup. But unless Neuer was injured, he's 
started over 50 matches most seasons he's been there, barring injury. He's played between 30 and 32 of the 34 Bundesliga matches every season. He plays every Champions League match. He gets the the bulk of the DFB Pokal matches as well. So I don't think you you need two first choice keepers. I don't. And the last one, I, the last club I can really think of, maybe was when uh, Mark Andre Ter Stegen first went to Barca. He was competing for the number one shirt with another established number one, and then eventually one of them won out, and then the other one left. I forget who who was. Who the other one was at, at that time it wasn't uh Silicon. it was somebody else i can't remember who but that was the last time i can really think of a club who really had two actually established keepers fighting for a number one shirt you just don't normally see it um, well, Barcelona, well they had Silicon and Stegen at the club and then who else was it wasn't there somebody was else in there as well maybe i don't i honestly it, I can't remember neto Do you remember maybe neto? was it neto it yeah it might have been neto actually yeah it's a big shout yeah yeah, so I just don't feel like, and I'm kind of with Ben, if, if if you ask me what makes more sense for 40 million right now, I'd rather have Mohamed Kudus. Like, because then you're, then you're figuring a player who can come in, who gives you, a, you know, a really good backup for Saka, you know, can play nine, can play central midfield, that makes more sense for that sort of depth where you need those rotational options further forward. But as for keepers, if your first first keeper is fit, you don't really rest a keeper for fitness either, really, unless they're dealing with actual fitness problems. So to me, this tells me two things. If, if if it's credible and we actually go and complete that deal, it means that to me, I think, even though we just extended Ramsdale, I would say that Ramsdale's long-term future at Arsenal is definitely not guaranteed at that point. Because as we also before, we wanted Raya before we got Ramsdale. And I think we can probably agree Raya is probably on just about Ramsdale's caliber. If you look at the data around Raya, he's very, very good. In a Brentford oh, system, they're in who, the same bracket, to be honest. Yeah, I I hundred percent yeah. agree. And and when you're linked with Bayern as a keeper, as a long term replacement for Manuel Neuer, Rems, I mean Raya probably fits that bill given the profile mm. of keeper he is. Um, obviously, this answer would be really simple. If, if Matt Turner was the only keeper we had right now, and we we're going after David Raya, I'd be thrilled. But to me, it's just like, do we need Raya and Rams still right now? I don't think so. So, interesting. The the the, the finances behind it just kind of are. A bit wonky to me, so to speak. But in terms of player mm. profile, it's great, hundred percent. But it just doesn't make sense for me in terms of how we're trying to build things out. And inevitably, if we do get him, you have to think whoever loses out in that one. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. A number one battle will want to eventually probably leave pretty quickly, probably within yeah, the season. I would, yeah, so, I would agree. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Ben, I'm going to ask you a really scary question. Do you agree with Drew? <laughs> on this point, <laughs> uh, there you go. I'm going to specify <laughs> on this point. Um, yes, because I was thinking of, I was trying to think of other people that have had. Effectively, two number ones fighting for. Oh, Neto replaced Silicon, by the way. I'll just check that. That's the one. Thank okay. you. So it was Silicon and, and Ter Stegen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking De Gea and Romero at United is the one that comes to mind because every time, you know, Romero has a good game, the next game De Gea's back in and everyone's asking about Romero. 
at the end of the day, he left for free, I think. Um, yeah. Did he, did he go to Argentina? Like, Something like that? Uh, yeah, maybe. We'll have a look. But it's sort of, it feels like no matter what you choose, if you bring in goalkeepers for a combined 65 million, if you keep one of them, the other one's going to be going down in value, like just mm. naturally, because he's not he playing. He went to Venezia, by the way, in Italy, is where he went. So that's a very Venezia, strange what a What and a down juniors, so a, little, a little holiday in Venice um, <laughs> before heading off back to, uh, uh, back to there. So there you go. But yeah, it feels like the 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 maybe maybe just because of the optics of the deal, you know, forty million for a Premier League proven goalkeeper. But it feels like he'd come in and everyone would expect him to play, you know. And mm-hmm. Drew's right about the first and second choice keepers and not having two number ones because whereas you were saying about how you can have Tommy Asu and White and still buy Timber, you could arguably play all three of those across your back four in a pinch. Whereas, you know, unless mm. unless David Rye is coming in to play inverted fullback or, you know, left eight or whatever, we're, we're, Anyone you can only can play, play one, one of them. Like, exactly. exactly. <laughs> but you're only ever going to be able to play one of them for, and we've got 55, 60 games next season if we go through everything. So mm. you're asking Raya, who's a fully-fledged Spanish international, to come and either sit on the bench or Ramsdale, who's fighting for number one in the England set-out, to come and sit on the bench. And it feels like, well, it will breed a lot of competition for Ramsdale. You know, he might get rid of some of the complacency that we've seen, maybe against Southampton, for instance. It does feel like it's a bit overkill. And I'm not against overkill necessarily. But if, if it works, it'll be great. But I just don't know how it works, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Okay. No, that, that's fine. I, I, I do disagree with you both, actually, on this. Uh, <laughs> okay. I I don't ever think that the way in which I understand Arsenal's budgeting is in a way in which if we sign Raya, to my understanding, it wouldn't stop us signing someone like Mohamed Kudus if we wanted to sign Mohamed Kudus. Because in my, my understanding of the budgeting system at Arsenal is every player that Arsenal like has a valuation. So there was a lot of kind of criticism before we signed Rice that we were going so big for Havertz that it would stop us from going to that extra mile to get Rice if we needed to go over that 100 million. And I said, no, that's not the way that it works. Arsenal have a valuation for Havertz that they're willing to meet in the same way that they have another target like Rice and have another certain valuation they'll be willing to go to. And I still think they go beyond it sometimes. They certainly did with Mudrik despite not getting him. And I think they did again with Rice. But I think they got Havertz what they felt was a, a fair figure still for what the player they were getting, even though it was a risk. They had it with Yuri and Timber and actually got him for less than the valuation of well below uh, the valuation that Ajax had for him. And then with Rice, obviously, they had to go slightly beyond just to get that deal done and, and finish and over the line. With Raya and Kudus as two options, both of those players they'll have valuations for in the same way. So if they feel as though Raya is worth 40 million, which is what I understand Brentford to want, and if they think that Kudus is worth a similar price tag, again, I think that's the feeling from Ajax that it would cost around £40 million, then they would be open to doing that and spending that money to get those players in. Because if you think about it and you look at the positions in the squad where we're still in need of depth and quality and competition, striker and right wing are the, is one area. And I think Kudus can obviously bring depth in that in those two areas. And I do think that goalkeeper is the other position where I go, well, behind the starter is quite a considerable gap for me between Ramsdale and Turner. I like Turner and that's not a slight on him, 
But I don't think I'm, you know, pulling up any trees by saying that there is a significant difference in quality between the two goalkeepers. So when it comes to adding Raya into this group, and it seems as though Turner is going to go off permanently, and we'll talk about that as well shortly. I think that what you're doing is a side that is pushing for the Premier League and pushing for the Champions League and all of this stuff is that you're identifying a position in the squad and thinking, where can we get these incremental improvements? Where can we push this further? How can I make it so Ramsdale... Because, by the way, this signing doesn't mean it's the end of Ramsdale because just ask Chelsea who who went out of the club first, Eduard Mendy or Kepa. And, you know, the answer in the end was Mendy, you know, because Kepa won back that place. So it doesn't mean it's the end for Ramsdale, by the way, if, if Raya does come in. But what Raya does is that he, he pushes Ramsdale and he will be fighting for that place. And I look at Ramsdale, who's only just signed a brand new contract, by the way, you know, as being in a position where he goes, well, I fought off Bert Leno once, came in, took his place. This is another challenge. There maybe have been some lapses in judgment and concentration over the last, you know, couple of months or so. And this is going to bring competition. And it's my challenge now to impress more than what David Rea can if indeed he does come into the group. So, Drew, I'll, I'll let you come back. She pulled all manner of facial expressions during that monologue. So I'd love to <laughs> I'd love to hear your thoughts. No, um, I mean, it's not that I disagree with the point of, of competition breeds performance. I, I agree with that mm-hmm. aspect. I just think goalkeeper is probably the one the one position where it's yeah borderline irrelevant. Because say if you have, and I, I take your point, the, the difference between Turner and Raya is you know a, a decent chunk. I don't disagree with that. But really, even with Champions League, you're looking at Ramsdale you know, starting, just to say for argument's sake, 34 out of 38 Premier League matches. Every Champions League mm-hmm. match, then you, then you give... Turner, both cups, you give him the FA Cup, you give him the League Cup, and that's his competition. And theoretically, if you make a deep enough run, that's nearly 10 starts, plus mm. the residual Premier League starts. You're looking at you know between 10 to 15 starts for your backup, which is kind of what you want, and that's totally fine. I think if we brought in Raya, you're going to give him the Champions League games. Like, surely that's the dynamic could, that it would go. Yeah, probably, because maybe maybe Arteta wants maybe a different sort of profile of keeper for European matches. I don't know, obviously, but there is scope oh, to suggest cool. that maybe if he's, if he's targeting certain competitions for certain things or with certain dynamics on the pitch, that he wants a different option to Ramsdale for that. It's very possible. Mm. Um, and certainly, um, it's, it's, despite his mistakes last season, kind of at the back end, it's still hard to say that Ramsdale is a poor keeper. You know, and... It's hard to up, yeah. It's hard to it's hard to upgrade on him right now. So maybe if you're getting mm. sort of a lateral move, it's, it's not bad per se. And again, I think if you can keep both keepers happy, obviously we come out like bandits. But essentially, that's very difficult to do. And the only way to really do that is by winning something. So this almost kind of tells me if we're prepared to spend forty million on Raya, and then maybe say we still go after Kudus for another forty million. And I agree with you, by the way. I don't think that is one or the other. I think if my, I think what Ben and I were saying was, if you had to pull our arm, if we only had forty million left, would we rather go after Raya or Kudus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pick Kudus. If we can do yes, both, sure. Yeah, if we can, can agree do both, with that. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely do both if we can afford both. I think that's mm. we can all probably agree with that as well. But I think a move like this, if it comes off, only works if you win something. But I do think that speaks to the fact that Arteta was very clear that he wants to compete for the Premier League again and Champions League. He's not going to go in Champions League with the idea of. You know, maybe if we get out of the group, then our job's done. I think, no, I think he legitimately looks at the field and says, look at how well we competed with City last season. There's no reason why we cannot then compete in Champions League with against sides that City pulled head of. So I do think maybe in that instance, maybe he thinks there's enough starts to go around. And maybe he thinks keeping both players happy is possible. 
if you are generally competing on all fronts, then maybe the scope suggests it'll work out in terms of just like a morale standpoint. So it, it's it's tricky, but um, it's just not the deal I thought I would, I, I would wake up today and expect to see. But um, yeah. again, like like Ben and I said before, with with the way Arteta and Edu have been with this club recently in the last two years, when we look at players and we're spending 30, 40, 50 million pounds on, each one of those deals has worked out. Not a single one of them has failed. And and you can include Trossard as well. Fabio Vieira is well, the only one that. That's yeah. the question mark. He's not failed, but there's still sure, he's this. Question mark. Yeah, this yeah, is like he's he's got to show something this season for me. He's got another year. But, yeah. Yeah, but he's not been bad per se. He's just not. He's not there yet. But yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, no, no, you're right. So yeah, um, yeah, it's tricky. But again, if it works out, then then we're laughing. So we'll see. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair uh, summary of of that. I think that, um, yeah, I agree on the point of if it was a 40 million, we had to choose between Kudus and Raya. I think Kudus is the, is the greater need of the two. Mm. Um, but it's not, that, as far as I'm aware, it's not that situation. I think perhaps that they feel as though there's still plenty of, of potential in incomings as well um, regarding player sales um, on that side of things that they could still secure. We'll talk a little bit more about that toward the end of the show as well. But this obviously... Ben, you'd think probably spells the end for Matt Turner. Now, you know, I, obviously you both listened to me when I was saying that I feel as though Ramsdale is a significant level above him. I had someone reply to a tweet I put out earlier saying that Turner's not been given enough of a chance yet. I mean, what do you make of what this means for, for Turner? And is this harsh on on Turner as a, as a player that could, you know, still play in the Premier League, it seems, with not in a forest, the team interested? Yeah, I think I'd be interested to know where the agitation for a move's come from. If if you know if, if you ask me, I think it's probably more from his side because you know the US have mm. a decent enough stable of keepers with Zach Steffen, obviously ex City, and him fighting for number one. He's coming off a really good Gold Cup with the US. Has Zach Steffen been involved? Drew, I, was it? I feel like it was somebody else, wasn't it? Involved in it as East, well? Uh, Ethan Ethan Horvath as well has been involved, That's but the, one. Yeah. the gap Sorry. the gap Lord between that. I mean Horvath is decent, but for me Turner is the clear number one. But the way Burhalter is, if he he's got a bit of Southgate in him still, if he if he trusts Turner, Turner will probably still start even if he's not playing regularly. But Turner is also good enough to start for maybe half the sides in the Premier League. I think yeah. Turner is actually quite quite solid. And for Forrest, and look at Dean Henderson. I think Dean Henderson was quite decent for Forrest before he got injured. Turner, for me, is probably on par or better than Henderson. Just about yeah. in the same ballpark. Yeah, I think I think Turner's actually quite good. I think people just don't know because they don't see him play. But when he plays with the U.S., yeah. he's been excellent. So I sorry, do ben. think that... I didn't realize Drew was yes. going to go off on one. I'm sorry! Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm to Drew on all things... Uh... All things stars and stripes. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Um, but no, I do think that it would make sense in terms of just building his profile, running up to a World Cup where we're hosting it or we're, we're co-hosts. He's going to want yeah. the number one shirt still for that tournament. So it makes if it's from him, it makes sense. So, yeah. Yeah, I saw I saw a good tweet as well that says something like, you know, his stock's at an all-time high as well, having just come mm-hmm. off the three penalty saves. The World Cup. Was that you? <laughs> yeah, it was Tom. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I saw it, I was out, I was like, oh, that's a good tweet. I'll remember that and talk about that. And turns out it was just you anyway. <laughs> well, good tweet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, regret it now. <laughs> so yeah, um, it's it's good if he wants to move. Then it's a good time to sell, and it's a good time for him to get a move for regular first team football. And Nottingham Forest, they I mean they need a goalkeeper. They're haggling over Dean Henderson at the moment. 
Um, you know, I think there's some issues with when they want the obligation to buy to kick in, and it's quite a wide gap um, between United and and Forest. So that deal looks like it's stalled a bit. And if they can get Turner for 10 million, I think that's pretty good all round for Arsenal. I mean, they make profit on Turner. Turner gets a move to a Premier League side where he's going to face a massive volume of shots. And, you know, he's going to improve most likely. And he's going to be in the shop window for next summer for the US as well. So I think all round, it's a sensible move. As I say, it's just about which replacement we get in and Raya was not the replacement I was expecting. If, if, if someone had said this morning, Turner's leaving, I would have gone, okay, that's fine. We'll find someone who's maybe 21, 22 coming up and sign them for 20 30, million. Or, yeah. you know, or sort, of, yeah. sort of like, I look at Liverpool and I'm like, they've got Kelleher and he obviously wants to leave now, but he was 20 when he was playing for them regular or in the mm-hmm. Cups. Um, City of City signed Ortega, who was 29 on a free last summer. He's been fine. Really I wasn't expecting a perfect in the prime, you know, um, perfect Mikel Arteta sort of play out with a high price tag, which is essentially where to sort of what the hell is going on with Raya came from when I first saw it. Drew, were you coming in? I felt like you were going to come in there. No, so no, I was, I, I, was chuck, I was chuckling about what Ben said. Just, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that from Matt Turner, as I say, the, the tweet that I put out earlier uh, in the day was it's an important point that he, Matt Turner's had a strong World Cup, Nations League, Gold Cup, um, and it means a player that's you know got very little game time guaranteed for him next season is at the peak of what I think his Arsenal value will be. I don't think Matt Turner's value as it stands right now is is going to get any higher than it is right now. So if you can sell for £15 million plus to a, another Premier League side, you know, we bought him for what, just under 10 million quid or around 10 million quid, I think it was. You know, if you can get that that deal done and you've made a profit within a year, it looks really good. You know, it's it's not like you're losing a key part of your score. And if you're bringing in someone like David Raya as well to be a competitor, you're arguably getting yourself in a position where you can even improve the goalkeeping area, not just reinforce or cover, you know, if there indeed is an option. And that is something that you look at clubs and go, that's what big clubs do. That's what teams that, you know, are fighting for Premier League titles and trying to win the Champions League do. So certainly... Um, you know, the David Raya stuff, I think, is really, really interesting. It'd be interesting to see if it's successful. Of course, all we know right now and where we are at the state of play is that Arsenal are considering a move. The price tag is said to be around £40 million. Brentford are open to selling him um, and he apparently prefers us over Bayern. I suppose that's a good place to end this, Drew, on, on the Raya thing. Him preferring us to Bayern. We've heard that about Timber. We've heard that about Havertz. Are we now bigger than Bayern? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I just also kind of feel like Byron's in such a weird space as well. Um, yeah, but I, the thing is, is we said before, players just want to play in the Premier League when you when you mm. are unquestionably the you know, the top club competition in Europe. That's where players want to be. Also, also where the money is. And it's not that Byron players aren't paid handsomely, they are. But I think mm. players at the top of the game just want to be in Premier League. I think that's just kind of it. So, yeah, Byron is just... It. Bayern, right? Because Neuer's got this. No. Is he still recovering from the fracture? Or once Neuer, once Neuer is fit, he'll he'll start. There's no like, yeah. I mean, that, but this is a guy who's 37 now. You know, doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter. No, Neuer, Neuer is Neuer and Müller are like royalty at Bayern. They yeah, they, I, they they yeah. they de facto are assistant managers. Yeah, 
<laughs> they, they, they basically they call the shots. Essentially, if they oh, don't like the manager, fine, yeah, saying. there's no question. There's no question about it. So I think once he's fit, right. he'll play. So I, I do think that, and Ryan probably understands. I do also think Neuer is better than Ramsdale still, just only just. So I do think maybe hmm. Ryan could also I look mean, at that's the move. A fair compliment to Ramsdale. <laughs> I mean, it so, is. Yeah. But I do think Ryan maybe looks at the move to us and says, well, if I have any chance of winning a starting job, it makes more sense to go to Arsenal than to go to Bayern. So so it's not because so because I've seen some people go, and I'm one of them, I was led to believe it as mm. well. And with that, with that point, is that I felt as though if he went to Bayern, he'd probably be starting games. He might start at the beginning when Noy's back fit, he comes in as as you seem to be staying. You know, yeah. David De Gea is now being linked as their alternative to Raya um as well, which is, you know, quite, oh my quite, God. Uh, an amazing uh, <laughs> But uh I, I always felt that if he chose Arsenal instead of Bayern, I felt that that was like an actual a greater challenge for him as a player to come in and say, No, I back myself to try and beat Ramsdale to the slot rather than getting a you know an easier start at Bayern, but then the challenge comes later. I mean, you can look at it both ways, I think. Um, but I also do think, to answer your original question, I do think we are bigger than Bayern. And I don't think it's... I don't think we weren't before. I think mm-hmm. any of the any of the top four clubs in Premier League are realistically, not in sporting success, no. Bayern, a massive yeah, yeah. football landscape. But in terms of popularity... Yeah. Exactly. In terms of overall attractive moving forward, Arsenal was always going to be a bigger draw than Bayern Munich, just because Bayern just doesn't just, have the. the... Hmm, go on. I've just I've just got visions of you saying that after we started Yaya Sonogo at the Allianz Arena. <laughs> you know, back in 2015 16 we when we were losing 10 2, and you're coming out saying, yeah, we're a bigger club than Bayern, it's fine. <laughs> no, but it, it, it's not on like historical merit. I mean, if we're talking about club. Like how big historically a club are, Bayern Munich are bigger of than course. Arsenal. But yes. we're talking about as we sit in 2023. If you're a player choosing what which club you would like to sign for, Arsenal being both a Premier League side, the club that they are anywhere with their own historical value, they're based in London, you know, now back in the Champions League and a project under Arteta that is only going in one direction, you know. So that yeah. I think it makes Arsenal the the more Attractive. Current, I, I struggle currently, the, the more attractive destination. Yes, the, the more attractive side. side. Yes, Bayern are yeah. historically much bigger than Arsenal in terms of current attractiveness. I'm just the live chat. I'm, pre- I'm just predicting the live chat, Drew, just ripping you to pieces. <laughs> <laughs> this guy said that Arsenal are bigger than Bayern. I mean, I, I'm I'm quite literally the biggest like the biggest proponent of German football, and I'm telling you, currently Arsenal are more attractive than Bayern. There's no question but in my mind. Bayern, Bayern have also had a little bit of. Well, a lot of problem integrating signings into they have into their squads. You know, if you look yeah. at, I think, I think that was one of the reasons Timber didn't go. Or, you know, he was mooted to go to Bayern, and he would rather go somewhere else because all the players that have gone to Bayern from Ajax, like Masraoui, was there. Graven Birch is there. They both want out because they haven't had enough game time. You see what yeah. happened to Sadio Mane, um, Marcel Savitzer when he went there. Conrad Lyme has now gone there, and I'd be surprised if it's too different. You know, they, oh, they've got a that. core group. I'm so gutted about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, as it's bad very as much... Yeah, Ooh. that's a tough one. <laughs> I am very glad that he's not playing. He's playing in a different red shirt, but yeah, yeah, I guess I'm more bothered about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the, the issue with the issue with Bayern, and we can move on after, but the issue with Bayern is that it's still. Whether they admit it or not, it's a different story. They're still very much controlled by 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 player opinion, a hundred percent. 
So mm. that, that's not a dynamic a lot of players want to be involved in. Personally, if I if I was questionable, I would not want to. You know, I don't have to have to glad hand you to, to get on with my club career. That seems a bit too corporate America for me, really. So you know, yeah. Yeah, it's, it is interesting, um, that dynamic between Bayern and Arsenal and, and how clubs now, you know, the whole irony of, I remember Ivan Gazidis saying, we're moving to the Emirates to compete with Bayern. And now 2023, we're finally <laughs> starting to, you know, compete in terms of transfers, at least. It's now on the pitch or we need to show yeah. that we can compete with them in the Champions League on European terms. So let's hopefully see that moving forwards. Um, so yeah, that's, that's all your goalkeeper stuff covered. I hope that we've covered everything that we can. <laughs> Leave your comments down below if you've got any thoughts on anything we've discussed in today's show. I would recommend listening to the whole conversation rather than just a snippet that you're going to see someone clip and put online that's going to go viral of Drew saying that Bayern are not big as, as big as Arsenal. But, uh, it's yeah. inevitable, listen but here to we are. <laughs> listen yeah. to the whole conversation and leave a, a comment down below on your thoughts. Uh, other transfer news, uh, Sambi Lakonga, uh, Ben, uh, there's been significant kind of reports now. Our, our good mutual friend, Sasha Tavaleri, uh, has reported that, you know, uh, Lakonga seems close to a, a loan move. There's been suggestions that that loan move may include an option to buy, which could turn even into an obligatory clause to buy if he makes a certain amount of kind of contributions, be that through appearances or whatever. Uh, do you feel as though that this is the right move for Arsenal to do? And I'm going to kind of caveat this with ignore the obligatory clause for the moment because it seems a little bit of hearsay in there and there. If it's just a loan with maybe an option, is that the right step at this point in time for both the player and the club? I think I think a period away from the Emirates where he's going to play every week under a manager that he had the trust of and elect is a great move for him. Um, mm. I think the option to buy depends significantly on what how much the option is. You know, if he has an excellent season, he suddenly could be a forty million pound player. He's still only 22, 23, I forget. But um, you know, he's I think he's at a point in his career where he needs games. He's not going to get them at Arsenal. The position that I thought he was going to play, which was more of, I think, last season in the USA Tour, pre-season tour, he played a game or maybe half a game in that sort of left eight role. Um, and I thought he'd go there playing further forward, like moving forward. But obviously now Jack has Everything gone. Game? The Chelsea game, I think it was. Yeah, Chelsea I think game. It, I think it was one. Of, he's scored in it. I think he scored um, against Chelsea, didn't he? We beat him like 5-0 and I think he scored. Yeah. yeah. But I thought that was where he was going to play going forward. Then obviously he fell out of favour last season, fell on the packing order, and we've changed a bit how, well, I say a bit, we've gone from Xhaka to Havertz. So it feels mm. like that role or his skill set isn't necessarily best suited for that role anymore. And when we've got three players who can play at six and now parties, the rumours of party going have died down, he needs minutes, he needs game time and he needs to be in a place where he feels appreciated and can show that he's a very good footballer because there is a very good footballer in there. It's just not working out at Arsenal. And if they can find a way to send him on loan, get his confidence back up and then sell him either break even or sell him at a little loss or a little profit either way, then I think that's a good move for the player and for the club. Is it the right thing for the player and, and for Arsenal? Yeah, I mean... Um... I've seen Sasha talk about, uh, quite a lot about it as well. But for me, mm. it's simple. Co company knows him. Company will use him in a way where at Anderlecht, his role was more simplified. He was sitting deeper, linked midfield to defense, played short passes, helped keep control. That suits how Burnley want to play at the moment. So, yeah, it, it just makes sense to me overall, really, if you think about it. So, yeah. 
I agree. Uh, I think that getting a low move for Lukonga is, is probably the right choice. Some people have said that, you know, it, he's going to lose value. And I was like, no, he will still have two no, years what? left on his contract when he finishes. Yeah. If he has a good season, it would arguably hopefully enable Arsenal maybe to break even, you know, on what they paid mm-hmm. in 2021, which isn't the best place to be in if you're a club hoping to break even. But not all transfers are going to work out, especially when you take risks on projects like Lukonga and Tavares, again, is another one. So, you know, hopefully he has a good season if he does leave for the club. I think a full season with a team, you know, is what what's going to be the most beneficial. We'll give him back a bit more stability um, as well. Uh, did either of you manage to catch um, a translation of a Nicola Pepe interview that he did? I don't know if you saw it, Drew. I saw John put this in our chat. Today. He did, I did not actually get to actually see it or read it, so I'm not 100% on what just happened. So please enlighten me. I read so, one from a couple of weeks ago, but nothing recently. Yeah, there was one a couple of weeks ago, but there was one also, uh, It was I think it's done in French, um, but he basically talks a lot about how Arsenal is, is such a huge challenge for him and kind of, you know, it's really hurt his his kind of time uh, and he's determined to kind of make it back. Where do you, Ben, kind of mm. see Pepe between now and the end of the summer, do you see uh, any kind of attraction from another team coming forward? Or do you think it will be one of those investments, as as Edu calls them? Um, I think it's one of those that we'll probably see movement on late in the window, one way or another. It feels like everybody and their dog knows that Pepe is on the market for the right price. You know, he's got decently high wages. I think he's on like 140 maybe. Um, mm, but twenty-one, ev- yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, everybody knows that you could probably pay five p in his taxi fare, and you get him out of the Emirates if you wanted him. So it feels like it's a move that people can sort of have as a fallback. Like you can go for your first target, and then say, "Well, worst comes to worst, we can pivot to Pepe." Um, and it might be that Saudi Arabia works with their list of two million targets that they've got and decide that they want him to play somewhere. So. These, those are the options, I think, for him before we terminate his contract. But I do think that he's sort of on the... Well, he's, he's, on, he's on the rubbish pile at Arsenal, isn't he? Wasn't taken to the USA, training on his own. It feels like it is just a matter of time before something gives and Arsenal will be desperately hoping that that's a tiny transfer fee or a loan deal with maybe some of his wages covered rather than having to agree a mutual termination. But, yeah, it's one... I don't. He, he doesn't have a future at Arsenal. I mean, that's pre- I think that's pretty clear from us extending Reese Nelson and still looking for a right winger. Um, so, yeah, I, I, whatever his comments have said, really, it's not he's, he's not going to get back into this side. And it's just a case of where he goes and when he goes. Yeah, it does seem that this interview was done um, around a month ago from what I'm looking at. So maybe it was those comments that you saw um, recently. But, but it's... It's just been uh, what I find ironic about this, Drew, and I think this kind of kind of segues nicely into the other big deal we've seen go through in the last few days. Is uh, the amount of money Arsenal paid was seventy-two million pounds, and we've just seen Manchester United pay seventy-two million pounds for a, another forward that has a kind of I feel as though it's a, an equal question mark over them because Pepe had one really good season for for Lille in Liga, um, didn't necessarily fit what. Even Emery was kind of looking at uh, in terms of what he wanted and then didn't suit at all what Arteta wanted. Rasmus Hoyland, £72 million, pounds, nine goals in, in Serie A. I know he scored, I think it was 18 or around that across all competitions. 
but it seems as though now, and I tweeted this as well, and I, I know that I think you'll, you'll think along the same lines, is that it feels like clubs in Europe just have to basically like pay a, like play a 20-year-old or 21-year-old striker or forwards for one season, hope they score around 10 goals, and then sell them for 60 million quid. Like that's just, yeah. It just seems like it's almost a guarantee for clubs to make money in this way. But what do you think? Well, I mean, about Pepe, I just kind of feel like, well, just quickly with that, I think, if we can't sell him, I, th- I would rather buy his out the rest of his contract and just let him go. Because even if he somehow came back and tried to work his way into Arsenal, he's never the kind of winger that will suit. He doesn't press well. He doesn't transition really well. doesn't track back. Mm-hmm. Every part of his game is not suited. It's more ironically more suited to, like, say, maybe he, if Emery rehabilitated him you know, at, at Villa, but they just got Musa Diaby. So that's out the window. In terms of Hoyland, I just kind of feel like uh, also, he only scored, I think it was 10 or 11 goals last season across all competitions in 35-ish matches. And the yeah, difference half, between, of those, I think, half of those were substitute appearances, in fairness. Yeah, I mean, but the thing, I think uh, um, Adamo Lookman had more goals in the Serie A on less minutes than Erasmus Hoyland. So it's kind of like... But is Lookman he, doesn't is, sound like Harlan. Well, I am, so. Ben. I'm not from that. No, I, I, I do think that um, I think Hoyland has the potential. I think that potential is pretty clear. But I think the difference between our gamble on Pepe and United's gamble on Hoyland is Pepe was arguably one of the best players in League On that the season before we bought him. Hoyland, mm. everyone knows his potential is there, but he was one of the more inconsistent attackers for Atlanta that season. So I think United. He's... I think there's two factors behind this. One, I think United are banking on him and hitting his potential, even if he doesn't necessarily yeah. suit Ten Hag per se. The other aspect is I genuinely, and I believe this, and you can call me because if you want, that's fine. I genuinely think part of this is United trying to manufacture another talking point of them having their own Scandinavian center forward to compete with cities of Scandinavian say, forward. Is, yeah. it, is it bad of me to ask the question that Rasmus Hoyland sounds like Erling Haaland and Man United are no. just trying to have their own version of a Scandinavian Yeah, and, and it's quite literally Denmark versus Norway in, in Manchester trying to buy into the whole another way of maybe garnering interest uh from like you know some sort of revenue stream elsewhere it has to be because if you look at it the other types of players we we had this chat as well they could use other money for another established center forward with a with better pedigree with still hype they could have gotten colin wani who for me is a better player than rasmus oh who probably yeah if you're going to spend around 80, like what, what was it, 85 million euros? If you're going to spend 85 All million in, euros yeah. on a forward, mm-hmm. buy Colo Moani. Like, why, why are yeah. you investing in? I might, we may look silly, you know, in six months' time. We, you it's don't very know possible. But yeah. it, I mean, for me, it was that that in, that international break in, I think it was March, where he scored a hat trick uh, yeah, against, against Finland. Finland mm-hmm. and, and he scored two against Kazakhstan. And yeah. I felt like that in that moment, you saw all of the compilations go, this is the next Erling Haaland, you know, this is the next one. And so Man United have gone, I'm going to take that one, you know, just bank on him being, you know, that guy. Uh, ben, what are your, your thoughts on uh, on Rasmus? Well, by the, that, that interview, I, I did manage to get the exact quotes from Pepe, which I'll read out for you in a bit. Yeah, I'm torn on... I, I think that he could well be a £75 million player in three seasons. I think that he is unlikely to be a £70 million player in three seasons at Manchester United based on mm-hmm. uh, yep. their recent history. I mean, Ten Hag could turn this around, you know, could be proved wrong. But Manchester United, as a football club, 
don't tend to have the most patience with players and it won't he's not going to come in and score 15 goals he might score 15 but he's not going to come in and you know challenge the top of the goal scoring charts most likely he's going to come in and he'll miss chances and he won't be perfect he's still a really raw player he's a bit he's a, we, I mean Drew and I had this conversation before he's a bit like following Balogun um in terms of for the system he's trying to play in he's still really really raw so yeah. it's going to take a lot of coaching a lot of work and he's got all the attributes to be really really good and you can see why Atalanta would demand so much money and you can see why you can sort of see why Manchester United would be willing to take the gamble on him but when you've got Casemiro, Varane, you know, the players in your side that are getting older, taking a gamble on a 19-year-old for 75 million when you're trying to challenge for titles and challenge on the Champions League front, and you know, it doesn't quite add up to me. As you say, I mean, Colo is available. I'm sure that there are plenty of players available that scouts would be able to find that you and I and Drew looking for FB rep haven't found that would cost less than Hoyland and I think I think Hoyland was forty five million pounds before Manchester United got involved, and then it went up to a hundred. Yeah, and, you know, that's what yeah, it was being quoted at. Yeah, it's just, also this, like um... if, PSG, if Man United weren't involved and PSG bid that fifty million euros, there's that I had that sense that if it was just PSG, they probably would have got that deal done at fifty million euros. Well, how much did Atlanta buy him for? Was it wasn't it only like twelve million that Atlanta bought him for? It was like some they're making a massive yeah, profit on rats for like nothing. Um, oh, sorry, sorry. So, yeah, yeah. I thought, yeah. I'm trying to find um, out how much did they buy him for. Seven, seventeen million euros. Euro. Yeah. That's that's. I've sold him in one season for five, five five times profit. Times yes, that amount. That's absolutely ridiculous. Well, credit to Atlanta also, for for banking on people spending stupid money. Gasparini, Gasparini is known for supercharging his attackers at Atlanta. That's um, true. You know, there's. They always outperform what you'd expect to perform. I mean, Duvan du- du- Zapata, I think it was, mm-hmm. and Luis Muriel were scoring goals for fun a couple of seasons back. Oh, um, so it's sort of, it's a very risky deal, and it's not the sort of deal that I think you would do if you were at the top and could stay there. You know, it's not like a, U- a Julian Alvarez is fourteen million, and you can you know bring him in and back up. Or if Alvarez is playing for United at fourteen million, you know that would be absolutely fine. But he's coming in with this massive price tag, still a really raw player. And I'm sort of a bit worried for him, a bit like how we saw Pepe, you know, that has such high expectations. I think Pepe got, what, 10 goals, 9 assists in his first season or something? Yeah. yeah. Um, it wasn't bad, but because the expectations were so high, because the price tag was so high. And, you know, football, the market has generally spiralled up, so it's not the end of the world. But it's still a lot of money to put on the shoulders of a 19-year-old kid. So I think a lot of the comparison as well is, I do think, and I... So we'll get ready for the hindsight to come in later on that season. I do think Mudrik is going to do quite well under Pochettino. If Pochettino does not get hired at Chelsea, does Mudrik actually develop under Graham Potter? I don't think so. And then the same thing. That's a, yeah. That was a huge gamble at the wrong time for Chelsea. I think they lucked out by getting Pochettino, a, a manager mm-hmm. who knows how to develop young talent, who knows how to use wingers in that way that will actually suit Mudrik. Mm-hmm. But with, with, with Hoyland, it's just like, Put it this way, extras aside, Hoyland costs more than Erling Haaland did. And Erling Haaland had a, a established goal-scoring record. Yeah, but still, an established yeah, goal-scoring record across not not just in Bundesliga with, with, with Dortmund, but in Champions League with both Dortmund and Salzburg already as an 18-year-old when he, when he first came in. So it's just kind of like 
I mean, it's not my money, it's United. So if it flops, I'm going to love it. But it just seems like at some point you have to question when deals like this still keep happening, how it's going to adversely affect the market moving forward. I think it already has, which is why this deal went off in the first place. Because as you say, when clubs know a Premier League team is interested, that knows how to spend, they're going to milk. And then all of a sudden that will reset the market again. And then someone else of his, like, say if Benny Mincesco has a really good season with, with RB Leipzig, how much is he going to cost? Is it going to be kind of a similar thing? Do you know what I mean? So it's just like, at some point, something has to give. But I guess we'll have to see. Yeah, we will. We will have to see very much so. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, just to give you those quotes from Pepe. Um, he says, people say that he identified me, being he, being Arteta, uh, as a player that wasn't up to the level in this team, uh, in his philosophy. It's completely false. When he arrived, he had City's philosophy. He had a squad that was filled with quality and backups in every position. When he spoke to me, he said he counted on me. He wanted me to do this or that. And you have to focus on that. He improved me in every way. He spoke to me the whole time. I watched videos with his assistants all the time. He really believed in me. He said that I had incredible potential. So we need the, to extract that potential. At the end of the first season, he spoke with me and told me to do this or that. And the second season comes along and I was a substitute. I was going mad. How could I be a substitute when he said he counted on me? Everything is spinning in your head. I was a substitute. It was at the time when they signed Willian. He is a number 10 or a winger, but he plays on the wing for like 11 or 12 matches in a row. I feel like I'm reading something that a YouTuber said like at the time that <laughs> Willian was starting games. <laughs> it feels like he's just saying what a lot of people were thinking. Um, he continues there. My head turns knowing that I had spoken with a coach and it wasn't like that, but that improved in the sense that he gave me a chance. I scored against Sheffield United at the Emirates. The confidence started to come back. I started to speak better, but it was a bit cold. I started to speak to agents, but we didn't see each other like before, but it improved. It's true that he labeled me. It's not true that he labeled me. Not true at all. He helped me in every way on a tactical level in terms of game intelligence. His philosophy requires a lot of intelligence. He knew my style of play wasn't waiting in possession. It was cutting inside. It wasn't out on the right before I was a bit freer. I had to wait in my zone and I wasn't like that before. And these parts of my game that he tried to improve, he always wanted to help me with all of that. So he was overall positive. You know, I don't know why there was kind of this rhetoric being talked about that he was going in um, on Arsenal. I think obviously that the questioning of like the Willian situation is something that pretty much everyone did because uh, Willian was so <laughs> poor for so long and still played. Um I think Arteta has shown that loyalty to players. I think Arteta learned a lot from that Willian situation as well. We dealt with things later on, like the Willian. I think remember when he went to the Middle East and went, was it Salt Bay that he went to, came back and didn't really get disciplined for it? And then obviously Arteta dealt with the Aubameyang disciplinary thing a lot more strictly. And people kind of compared those two things as saying, well, you're treating Willian this way and you're treating another player this way. I actually think that Arteta was learning from that Willian mistake, if you like, and being too lenient with that situation. Um, and and since then, you know, we've we've just not had any kind of disciplinary issues. There's obviously question marks about Balogun at the moment, which I wanted to get onto, but we've run out of time. Um, but I don't. We haven't had anything confirmed regarding the reasons behind his absence, other than Arteta saying he has a minor foot injury. Which I mean, if you could put any larger quotation marks around that of suspicion, <laughs> I don't know how you could make him any bigger. But you know, we'll have to take his word for it for now. But as I said, we have reached the end of today's show. Um, we've done a lot, of course, on the goalkeeper situation. We hope you've enjoyed that, uh, and we've talked about our potential outgoings as well, which I hope you've enjoyed also. Uh, but Drew, thank you so much for your time, mate. Tell people they can find you. And what you're going to be up to? 
Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at xgrumpper90, uh, and you can find what I write, <laughs> what I write about uh, at 101 Great Goals. Well, it's, it's just a great handle. It's it is. <laughs> I'm so happy I actually did that. Um, yeah, you can find my work at 101 Great Goals along with my good friend Ben here. And then again, like I said before, I started a free um, kind of, uh, what's I forget the website because I don't really use it right now. But Stacked, I started kind of like, thank you. Yeah, a free Substack just about talking about things away from football, like travel, like mental health, that kind of thing. So if you're interested, check mm. that out. The link is also in my Twitter. So, yeah. There you go. Uh, massive thank you to Drew. Uh, fantastic stuff as always. per 90 is where you can find him on Twitter. Uh, ben, absolute pleasure to, to speak with you once again, my friend, and uh, and catch up with you and have you back on the show. Tell people where they can find yeah. you and what you're going to be up to. Yeah, I mean, my handle's on screen at Ben Browning 3. Um, I'll be with He's Drew. savvier than you, Drew. He's put it on the screen. <laughs> Everyone knows me by now, so I don't have to. Oh, everyone knows me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll, be, uh, I'll be a less grumpy, grumpy version of Drew. So, you know, there's always that to look forward to. And uh, yeah, I'll be on 101 Great Goals and the Bruce Banana FC podcast as well, which you can find in my uh, bio, I think. I might not have updated it yet, but if you can't, at Bruce Banana FC, um, Drew's also on that when he can be bothered. Um, and yeah, that's basically <laughs> us, I think. When you want to turn it sort of comes a package on, yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, you do. You're a duo. Uh, I love it. It's fantastic. It's like the uh, the Fabio, the, the Fabio, the silver twin. So you had Fabio and uh, what was the other one? Um, Raphael. About this Raphael. Raphael. Yes. Mm. <laughs> you would cause Arsenal nightmares playing right and left mids in the Champions League is what you would do. Um, but thank you, uh, everybody, for tuning in and listening. We very much appreciate your time. As always, uh, it's very much appreciated. Do drop a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel. If you would still like to support the, the actual fundraiser for the 72-hole uh, golf challenge is still open if you're based in the UK. If you go to the link down in the description, uh, for those that are based outside of the UK that wanted to donate, uh, we have made the decision that, sadly, we're not going to be able to accept those donations. Only reason for that is because it turned out that the whole process of getting donations from abroad was so complicated that it, it was just not feasible, sadly. Um, so apologies for that. Um, if you know someone in the UK that can obviously donate on your behalf to the website, maybe that's the way to go about it. Um, and then they can transfer you or whatever. But yeah, sadly, it just it didn't work out. Cancer McMillan's website is fantastic in 99% of ways other than for people outside of the UK that want to donate, which sucks, but it's the reality of that. But thank you to everyone that has donated. And uh, yeah, I hope to update you on how the day's gone about uh, with a video of some kind. And uh, hopefully... We've made it to the end after what we're estimating to be 14 hours of golf, which is quite the challenge. Um, but thank you, everyone that's listened. Really appreciate your time. As always, uh, have a fantastic day. And, uh, yeah, we'll speak to you soon. Have a fantastic one. And as always, up the arsenal. It's the 90-plus minute. All your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered. By fans.